Hey, pass me a beer. I told you! Look, at least promise me you won't drink. Alcohol always leads to trouble. Hey, who wants to play drink the beer? Right here. <laughs> you win. All right, what do I win? Another beer. Just have a cup of coffee. Beer it is. Coffee? Beer. I'd kill for a beer. <gasps> Cheap beer and a sympathetic ear. Step right up. All right. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Beard Hops Podcast. We are doing our very first live on-site, well, not live, but our very first on-site podcast uh, featuring Lakefront Brewery, and we have with us today Russ Klisch, uh, one of the founders and owners uh, of uh, Lakefront. Am I saying that right? Founder yes. and owner? Uh, yeah, founder and owner. Okay. And uh, president and, yeah, chief bottle washer and all those types of things I, I do. I'll pick up all the paper outside. and Chief bill payer. Yeah, make sure. But, uh, thanks for coming, though. Appreciate yeah. that. Thanks for having us. Uh, yeah, this is, this is awesome. We, um, we've been looking forward to doing this, this on-site stuff for, well, we talked about it when we first started doing podcasts almost two years ago now. And we'd like one day to get to the point where we, we had the equipment to do on-site. Sure. On-site podcast, everything so that far. Thing. Oh, okay. So far, <laughs> everything so far has been, uh, you know, pretty much just on online through uh, Google Hangouts and stuff. So, no, uh, I, I have to say, uh, Lakefront was my first brew tour I ever did. Good. And it was shortly uh, after I even realized there was craft beer. <laughs> uh-huh. Was my, it this location? It was here. My okay. Buddy, my buddies brought me up here for my birthday, and. It is by far the best brew tour I've ever been on. Still, it's it's a great tour. So thank you. I'll give all the credit to that to my brother. I always kind of joke, but it's kind of true that I used to give a tour like I was a science teacher. <laughs> I thought the only reason people would want to take a tour was to learn how to make beer. Yeah. And yeah. my brother didn't know as much about beer, so he just told jokes and gave out beer first. And everybody took his tour. Nobody took mine. And <laughs> you kind of figure out back then people are there for two reasons: they want to drink beer and be entertained. Yep. Yes. So. It's yes. an important part, and so we yeah. hire theater those, people. And those tours are very entertaining. Thank you. I've been yeah. on, I've been on both the uh, normal and technical. I get, you have a technical tour. You have a technical tour yeah. too. Yes. I went on both of them. So. They're yeah, great. we've got some some questions about the tour uh, coming up here in, in a little bit. But so you are president, uh, CEO, founder, yeah, chief bottle washer. Is there a, is there other members of the family that are it's my brother i'm kind of like mr inside he's mr outside okay so he kind of still handles a lot of some of the marketing he does a lot of the the beer dinners uh other promotional events i know he's up at vegas tonight in river west uh doing some uh, beer appreciation society thing and so he'll be there and so i might show up later but then he's the guy that normally sets all those up that's cool 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 well we are in an amazing building here, and yeah, uh, very we'll, cool. Building. We'll kind of we'll get to where how this building kind of came about. But where did Lakefront Brewery get its start? Uh, it, it was founded in 1987. 87. Okay. Uh, and then how did things kind of go from there? Yeah, we uh, basically, I, I guess the story I tell is that my brother's birthday was coming up. I moved into his house shortly after I graduated from college, and I, I didn't have a job and. And since he let me live there, I figured I'd buy him something for his birthday, and I bought him a book on how to make beer. He was talking about that. And so he made, read the book, and, and uh, he made a batch of beer, which looked like hell. And um, I'm thinking, you know, this, you know how this is going to taste. And he gave me a bottle, and it was not the worst beer I ever had. It wasn't the best either. Yeah. And, I, I, and all of a sudden, I thought, you know, 
if my brother could do it that good, you know, I could do better. And, and so <laughs> I decided to make some beer, and he made beer. We started entering local contests, won local awards, made more homebrew, and made won state awards, and made homebrew, and won national awards. And our friends started telling us, you know, you guys should open up a brewery. Uh, and um, when you're 20-some years old, you think that's, you know, good advice. <laughs> and so we, uh, you know, asked a bunch of bankers to give us a bunch of money, and I did not understand that you had to have money to borrow money. And, <laughs> and so they all turned us down, so which left us, you know, how do you start this thing? We came up with this idea of uh, uh, starting a brewery as small as possible to lose the least amount of money. And so we found an uh, old bakery building right down the street from us, and we bought a bunch of 55-gallon drums, and we figured uh, it'd be like overgrown homebrewing. And essentially, that's what it was. We kept yeah. our day jobs. We worked weekends. And we started to uh, brew beer for four local taverns in the River West neighborhood of Milwaukee. We literally uh, wheeled the, the beer down the street on the dollies and uh, to these places. <laughs> and that's how it all got started. Then more bars wanted us. And we discovered used dairy equipment. We brought a piece in here and a piece of equipment in there. And yeah. still to this day, we're bringing in a piece of equipment here and a piece of equipment there to try to improve the place. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's what's out front, right? The yeah, the, if you look at Larry, Moe, and Curly, that was where all dairy tanks. And they started leaking on us and uh, got too small, wasn't efficient. And so they put them on the side, but everybody loved to get their pictures taken in front of Larry, Moe, and Curly, so I didn't want to throw them out. And then one day a, a metal sculpture guy comes by and says, you know what I can do? I can cut off the fronts of these, put an I-beam on the back. You know, put some arms on it, and, and I can mount them out here in the front for you. Nice. And then he said, I can even put faces on the back. So that's what you have for some of the most creative folk art in the city Yeah, is what we see out there. And, and it, it's funny. It's uh, Everybody gets their pictures taken in, in front of there, and there's no sign to tell people to do it, but everybody takes their arms and just spreads them out like like, <laughs> like they're part of the statue. They just do it. Yeah. And they just do it. And um, <laughs> Everybody gets a picture taken, so it's funny. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it, it just makes everybody smile, which is the important part yeah. of it. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it's about. Now, when you first started, uh, I guess looking back on when, when you first started, what would you say, looking back, were you most afraid of or concerned about that made now you're like, I don't know why I was worried about that and starting a brewery? Uh, I mean, there were several things. One was uh, quality just keeping the quality up and, and trying to do that. The second part was just cash flow and, and whether we we're going to make it or how much of the work it's going to go into it or all the money we, we dumped into it because uh, we didn't have any partners. We've never, uh, uh, well, first when we first started out, we had a third partner and we ended up buying him out, um, uh, Carson Prafke, after about uh, a few years. Uh, we, we parted ways. and But I, I never had a co-signer to a loan in the entire history of the brewery. Wow. And um, so all the, everything you see here has been basically organically built. And still to this day, we have low debt uh, to the brewery. And, and so I think, you know, we're, we're doing right. But I guess that's because we were probably so frugal at the beginning. I, that's how we ended up. But right now, I think it's a good position to be in. But, we were, but you know, being concerned about money, quality. Um, I, I guess when we first started out, too, we had this theory that, some big daddy Warbucks is going to come along and offer us, you know, millions of dollars, and you be our brewer, and we'll build this big brewery for you. And yeah. that guy never came along, <laughs> our lady. Yeah. And, and um, so, a, a side note, side question to that: Has any of the large uh, macro breweries ever approached you? Nothing ever serious. I Nothing get a lot serious? of calls from yeah. 
people say, oh, I got this guy that wants to buy your brewery, and they start talking to him, and it's like they don't have anybody. <laughs> yeah. So I've never, I've never had like a, any of the large American or European breweries or anybody else. Or there's some other times you get calls from people, and they say, I, you know, we got this guy in San Diego who wants to build this consortium over breweries. You know, are you interested? And to me, it's like, you know, essentially what this is is you know all of a sudden you got some boss in san diego yeah and it's like i, I don't want that yeah. so I, why, why I, I didn't you know quit my job at john's controls to come here to to be a boss from someone else <laughs> yeah you know, for or, sure exactly so With all the well, time you put into it too yeah i think that's that's kind of a cool thing probably uh, i would i would hope it's a sign of respect from from larger breweries to say, to know that you've got a good quality product here and uh, you know that they know your your reputation in the industry for the last what's it been 32 years 32 years now yeah yeah so that I, uh, I mean you're big enough I mean you guys could be looked at to to be I, I brought into a larger yeah. larger I wouldn't be surprised group, that there's going to be a lot of M and A uh, happening here yeah uh, I, I think in the next couple of years yeah. uh, for several reasons um, but uh, I I know I haven't I haven't gotten an offer and I'm. You know, if anything, I'd probably be more of the buying mode than, than selling mode. That, well, that's good to hear. Yeah. That's really yeah, we don't want anything to, to happen to Lakefront. <laughs> What's that? Don't want anything to happen to Lakefront. No. Yeah. For sure. yeah. <laughs> no, it, it is a Milwaukee staple, and I wanted to keep that way. Sure. And, and so we go from there. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Now, what was the first beer you guys were making uh, that you actually put out and produced and, you know, were in those kegs? Uh, we actually, uh, when I was homebrewing, I, I tried to imitate Pilsner Yerkwell, which led to the Klisch Pilsner. And my brother tried to imitate Anchor Steam out of uh, oh, yeah. California, and he, yep. and he made River West Stein. And those were the, the two beers that we came out to, and those were the two beers. Yeah. Back in those days, more brewers were imitators and innovators. And so you sat there, and you tried to come up with something you thought that was really good and yeah. try to imitate it. And uh, well, how much were you guys producing at that time when you were just starting out? Well, the first month of the year, I mean, we started in December, so it was like 10 barrels that year. The next barrel year was like 70 barrels. The next year, it was 170 barrels. The next year, it was 300 barrels. Then went to 500, 700, and 1,000, and just kept on going up a little bit every year after that until last year, it was uh, 45,000, wow. okay. somewhere around there. I that, was so. my, that was my next question. So where are we at today? 45,000 yeah, 45, barrels. 45,000. Nice. Oh. Um, you built your own bottling machine so where does that co how where does that come into play uh in this in the scheme of things here you i mean you were acquiring equipment but at some point you're just like were you canning to begin with or were you no were you no there wasn't any cans uh, it was um it was hard even to get bottles you could no way you could get cans back then no okay. one no one would ever sell you cans unless you had you know truckloads you wanted so to bring you in to buy, and like, store millions somewhere. of them and and back then everybody uh, the can was actually looked at as a lower quality product and it probably yeah. was the liners have been significantly yeah. improved on them yeah. um, since then but uh, the space we had was very small it was about 2,500 square feet we didn't have a dock uh, at our old place it had like a front door and a back door and you just brought everything in and out on a dolly and so I, I couldn't really fit a bowling machine in it and um, so we I thought, well, I'll just build a one-headed filler. I still have it over in our warehouse, but it could do about a, a, a bottle a minute. And, and so that was kind of our tap room in a way. You could sit there and say, well, I'll put a bottle in, and then we end up selling them loose. We didn't have a six-pack. So, yeah. But, but that was craft beer back in the early 90s. Yeah. A bottle a minute. 
Yeah, yeah, that was one yeah. bottle of mint. I figured we'd be sold it for a dollar a piece. I remember, wow. and, the, and the stores are going there. And we figured, yeah. well, you know, you're making sixty bottles an hour. You're you're making sixty dollars, and you only probably have twenty dollars in cost. So that's a pretty good, pro, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that's the way we looked at it, and it, <laughs> it paid the bills. So, what do your fillers do now? How many a minute? Uh, we go about two hundred twenty bottles a minute when it really <laughs> cranks. It's quite a jump. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> well. There you go. And all the brewing is done here yes. on site. You don't have, uh, I mean, you've got a warehouse, obviously. You, you yeah, we take the beer in, off site to um, the store there. Yeah. It's, that warehouse is actually larger in this building. Is it? But, okay. uh, in square footage. But, yeah, you have to have about a square foot per barrel uh, when you build a brewery. So we have about 45,000 square feet. Okay. That is about what you have, and that's what, okay. uh, what you look at. The name Lakefront Brewery, when, because uh, I, I, I want to talk about this building a little bit, but going back to when you started, you had your first building. Yes. Does that have anything to do with where the name Lakefront Brewery started with, or is it just because Milwaukee is a lakefront city? Lake, yeah, mostly because of Milwaukee has a lakefront city. Yeah. Lakefront meant water, which goes into beer. Uh, Milwaukee, when you call, say at the lakefront, we're the only town that really calls the lakefront lakefront instead of a waterfront or oceanfront. So we thought the name was indigenous to Milwaukee, and in reality, it was probably a little bit too deep um, <laughs> for people to, to, to gather. And we probably should have called it a, a different name, but but you know, it stuck. And I, I when I moved down here, I thought should I change it to uh, Riverfront. <laughs> But, um, you know, we moved down here, and, and so now you get comments like, oh, they don't know what body of water they're on, you know, and, um, uh, and things of that sort. But, you know, everybody still knows this lakefront, and, uh, and everybody comes down here. They really appreciate the water, and, and technically we're, we're, we're uh, Lake Michigan level here yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, on the river, so we're, we're still kind of like the lakefront. Yeah, that's true. We're, the we're international right out, boundary. Right back here, we so. actually get the Coast Guard coming up and down. Do you oh, really? really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just literally right outside the uh, right outside the windows here, there is uh, the, the river. So we're actually on Lakefront or uh, Lake Michigan uh, level here. So yes. Mm. Now cool. th this building, how did this building come about? I know, I know the story, but what did this building used to be? You can tell it used everybody. to be a uh, power plant, and it was a power plant for most of its uh, early life. And then the electric company ran their underground division out of here, repaired the streetcars here. And eventually, I sold it in the 60s to the city of Milwaukee for their forestry department. And we ended up buying it from the city of Milwaukee. We got kind of lucky in that uh, there's an apartment complex next door, and, and uh, the city was helping finance that to become an uh, apartment complex to re rejuvenate the neighborhood. And they also were putting in a $10 million street in the front. So they were looking at people to come on down. But, but back when we bought it 20 years ago, it was not the best neighborhood. And, uh, and so the city was looking for somebody to come down here to be in this building. And if we would not have moved in, the city would have had to have torn it down. Oh. And it's a massive structure. You go downstairs, they got five feet, uh, you know, thick concrete pillars down there to support the uh, old... Uh, electrical generators that were here when it was a power plant so it would not have been an easy thing to to tear it it would have been a big hard part and so anyway the city offered us a very good price almost nothing for it 
but back then there was a lot of money to, to put in to fix it up, but we're still fixing the building up today. <laughs> really? After 20 years, <laughs> we're doing this improvement and that improvement. So that's one thing about historical building is that yeah. it uh, continues to be updated. It's a great looking building. I mean, first time we came here, I was like, this place is yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, the building's cool. You got this, this structure outside that's very industrial looking. I mean, it's just some roads and, and, and the river being out back. It's just a really, really neat setting. Yeah, to come it, down it, it, is, it is about as Milwaukee as Milwaukee can be. You got an old industrial building right on the river, a Cream City brick building, got a brewery here. We do a Friday night fish fry right next to a big industrial, you know, massive bridge right next to it you know, on the Riverwalk. You know, everything that Milwaukee kind of, you know, stands for is, is here. So, um, so it's fun. I, the, one of the biggest compliments I get is people saying, you know, I had a friend in from out of town. I wouldn't know what to do, and we came down to your place. Yeah. To show them, you know, this represents the town, and so that, that means a lot to me. Yeah, and we'll, we'll definitely, we'll go outside and get some shots of, oh, yeah, we'll of the building shots. and the, the bridge that's out there in the river and everything afterwards so you guys can all see what we're talking about here. I'm looking at your website right now, and you've got a section on about, um, about lakefront, about historical preservation. And there's some there's some talking here about the lights yes. that are out front, and it looks like there's uh, there's a connection here to the Milwaukee Brewers baseball team. Um, yeah, with the uh, chalet. Yeah, with the we chalet. have the chalet and the lights yep. here, so that's kind of things I I thought was nice amenities and I brought in the lights especially that that you, we, we see up here uh, that we have those those are built in uh, 1917. Oh, wow. I, I believe, and and uh, that's when tour time. All right, tour time. Everybody, get your tour going. <laughs> get yeah, the, get going on tour. It's awesome. <laughs> but I know Frank Lloyd Wright was in town at that time. He lived here, but I have nothing to tie it to him. But but they are taking out of the Plankington Hotel. I spent a bunch of money re uh, renovating our refurbishing them, and and that's what I got. They fit the perfect building perfectly from the same age of the building and uh, they work good and then I was able to acquire uh, Bernie Brewer Chalet when they tore down County Stadium and got the giant beer mug and uh, that that's in here so that was that was uh, and that's a lot of pictures taken in front of it right behind right us. behind us yeah, yeah. <laughs> over there very cool now tell us about the tours we love the tours and it's the best um, tour it's it's the best brewery tour we've been on a bunch of brewery tours yeah it's yeah. the best one it's, it's a mix of informative, but still fun. You know, there's some breachers you go on and they're just like, like you said, it's a, the science class. And you're just like, okay, come on, let's get on with it. Yeah. This, I it know. keeps you entertained every time you do it, so. Yeah, there's, I, I, there's things I tell the tour guides not to say. I don't tell them anything what to say, basically. Uh, you know, I can't have them come in here and bash another team sports team or tell something else or talk politics or use dirty words or anything on that sort. You know, I tell them they, they can't do or shouldn't be doing. I know it's, they still probably do. But um, <laughs> but otherwise, you know, it's about having fun. And uh, they're all, as you can hear, very lively and energetic. <laughs> and I do hire, uh, you know, theater people and comics to come okay. in and do the tours. Uh, it's amazing to me they don't steal any uh, uh, lines a lot of times from other tour guides. It's kind of the rule, even though I do when I do tours. But, um, <laughs> but I'm boss. But uh, but anyway, the um, 
and so everything's about having fun. There's no there's no videos here either. I I, I didn't ever understood this video thing where you got to go and you never look go to a comedy club and see a guy comic you know showing a video. Yeah. And and uh, and so it's all about the person about being entertained, about being interactive, and, and that's what people want. We get them singing at part of the tour, yeah. Yeah. and uh, it's it's amazing the, uh, uh, the the feeling that people have when you. When you have some of the minimalist things you can do, you know, and it's not anything high tech, but everybody yeah. just loves loves coming down. I like the little bar halfway through to refill. Oh yeah, that's the best part. Yeah, drinking along the tour is 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 important, <laughs> and yeah, you guys do it right here. Yeah, I, I always find the attention span of people is directly proportional to how much beer they have in a glass, <laughs> and so the uh, you fill them up halfway along the line, it gets a little more jolly too, you know, and. Yeah, <laughs> the anxiety goes up as the beer goes down. Yeah. That's what it is. Like, oh crap! Oh crap! Oh crap! Oh crap! <laughs> no, that's so great. Those tour guides, are, do they do other stuff within the brewery, or is that their sole job? Or some of them? Well, they, we like, have them pour beer and run the gift shop, so there's like a rotation. Yeah, and that goes on. And uh, but no, more mostly it's just you know tour operations. You know they got to clean and still mop at the end, like everybody else. They're not. Or they help set things up in the morning. They're not like the talent that just leaves when they're No, they just talent yeah. just doesn't they, leave. They help they, uh, take care of the brewery. They got to take care of the brewery, yeah. too. Yeah. That's good. Which is good, but then, you know, they they seem happy to. I mean, it's a big... Uh, I'm, I was amazed. I, I don't know how I ever did it. or how, They probably did it themselves, but they all kind of uh, are like a big family, and they want to stay together, and they all want to beer at the end of the day, night together. And, sure. And, and so that that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah. Now... What uh, what beers right now are hot for you guys? Like, what is your your top sellers? Is it an old, trusted one you've had for a while, or is there a new one that's really coming on strong right now? Well, the one what they they, they say has the uh, most momentum would be the the hazy um, IPA that we have right now. Yeah, uh, regular IPA is still doing well, and and River West still up in sales uh, right here. So those you know those are doing good. I know Eastside Dark's done well this year too. In sales, but uh, those are happy. But you know, it's it's like, you know, beers becoming is becoming more of a fashion a lot of times. Where right. you see certain styles, but then it's always been that way. You always got the style that's hot, people want to drink it, and hazies and milkshakes and things like that are the the in thing right now. Yeah. So that leads to actually a question we got off of from somebody from Facebook. Okay. Brent, he wanted to know. Um, how do you keep up with the changing trends? And when they're always changing, do you? Well, you got to go out and drink a lot of beer. And, um, <laughs> Done. All right, we're good. And so you I go like out it. there. You got a great I mean, job. <laughs> there, there's various methods besides, you know, one, you just obviously do do that. You go out and drink or you see where the crowd is. I mean, literally simple things like you go to the Great American Beer Festival or any beer festival. You go to where's the line? What are they drinking at the line? You know, so you see that. You can you get all the Nielsen reports, and you get um, other reports that of the scan data out from the supermarkets, and you can tell which beers are hot and which ones aren't, and 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 so they can tell where where the trend is going, and so it's you know those those are different things you do uh, pay close uh, attention to, but also like, even for us, we'll do a lot of test batches here, and we'll put it on tap, and then we count how many kegs at the end of the day we went through. Right. And, you know, it's pretty simple stuff, but yep. then it'd be amazing how many people don't even do that. Yeah. 
and, and different styles, and we kind of try to, to look at it. But those, those are different things you look at, what, what you feel could be a good trend. Now, Brent also wanted to know how long until you can get your beer in California. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have uh, we do have two distributors there, one in San Francisco, one in L.A., but they mostly carry the Newgrist right oh, now. We have okay. Harbor, I think, oh, which down is by the sour. Uh, San, yeah, Newgrist um, is the sour. Newgrist is the gluten-free. No, it, well, it's gluten-free. We also have a sour yeah. uh, Newgrist. Oh, it's the Goza. The Goza, the, and that's yeah. also gluten-free. Yeah, yeah. So we got two of them, but uh, Musimer is the other one in San Diego. In, um, uh, San Francisco that carries some of our product. So Brent's in San Francisco. You should be able to find it. Oh, yeah. You should be able to get some of this then. Um, has there ever Brent, been a, beer hunt, man. Beer hunt. Yeah, come on. Look, Brent. Has there ever been a trend where you, you're like, no, we don't want to do it, or you didn't think it really fit with Lakefront very well to do that kind of a beer? Or? Uh, trying to think. <laughs> we've done a lot of different ones here that we've totally rejected that we have. And I'd hate to sit there and say one and we, we didn't go with it. But, I mean, <laughs> uh, I know we never did, like, a white IPA. That was one trend that came yeah. along. I, I, I'm, I'm spacing out here and other things. That, well, what that about happened. barrel aging? We do a lot of barrel aging. We yeah. just bottled up some yeah. barrel aged stuff today. And, nice. Uh, yeah, I just had uh, one of the barrel aged box at a beer fest. That's right. I remember yeah, you said we that. Had it was that delicious. And, uh, you know, and we, we do the Black Friday. That's a popular barrel aged product. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a very high quality beer um, that that we've done. Um, so, uh, so yeah, you know, barrel aging I think is a, is a very much an art. I, I guess the ones you look at are, are more gimmicky than, than arty, are arts, artsful. And so, I mean, to me, if you if you have a great barrel aged beer, it's it's one of the most you know uh, you can, uh, delectable things you can you oh, yeah. possibly have. And and um, you can usually tell when when someone is skilled in barrel aging versus yeah. someone who's just oh I gotta get I gotta get a barrel aged beer out there and and just throw it on the shelf because. Um, you guys, you guys do uh, have some very, very good barrel aged beers. Um, you know, some other breweries in the Wisconsin area, northern in North Chicago area that have some great barrel aged beers, and you can tell yeah, that they know what they're doing. Yeah, you can taste a little bit of the right. barrel in there. You can yeah. taste a little bit of the, you know, the spirit in there, and and the and the malt and the hops. You got, well, you can taste all the the different ingredients. To me, plus the barrel, it, it, it's it's a sign of a, a good barrel aged beer. Yeah. Um, and we we actually we went off earlier was it earlier this year or last year anyway I don't remember I don't remember yeah we, our idea was we we were going to take this podcast in a just a barrel aged direction where all we were drinking was barrel aged beers <laughs> that's all we wanted to drink at the that's time. all we wanted to drink at the time so yeah. we're like all right the podcast is going to be all about barrel aged beers and we loved it for a while and we still love barrel aged beers but we got to the point where we're like okay. <laughs> I need right. something else at well, this point. So should I go get one? Is that what you want? <laughs> we, can, uh, we can split it here. And... <laughs> hey, I'm I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> so um, um, yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. No, you sir. You. Oh, I well, <laughs> I was gonna go with uh, the the beers that were. Mm-hmm. So we talked about this, the beer styles, uh, and you guys do. Do you guys do any sort of? I know you do. I'm kind of leading you in, into a question here. You do some innovative style beers by asking employees for ideas and recipes. Is that the way that works? You've got the My Turn series. 
Yes. And is very innovative, I, I think. I mean, you've got some, like my turn, Kristen is probably one of the strangest beers I've ever had. Which one was that? It's that like a smoke. bacon maple? or Yeah, she, oh. she like, she's our head chef, and yeah. she likes breakfast, so she wanted something that tastes like bacon. <laughs> so it was like a smoked, multi-smoked beer, and it was like a pancake or smoky. Yeah. Smoking, yeah, it's like, it was, yeah, it was like breakfast. I mean, I saw bacon on the bottle, and I'm like, I gotta get that. <laughs> I, gotta so I, I, I got it. I so drank it. I when liked you it. You brew that one with the bacon. What do you? What do you? Are you using bacon grease? Bacon bits? Like what do you? Well, we you just we just flavor? buy smoked malt, and then you get uh, you you have it more on the sweeter side than the hoppier side, and it, it worked out well. Yeah, it was it was a, a different style of beer. It's like you say, it is in, innovative. It's it's um, uh, not too many people have done one of those. Or anything similar to that, but to me, it was it was still a great beer. It's one; it won several awards. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, you know, we entered in a lot of smoke beer categories. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you have the like the things like the L.A. County Fair or the United States Beer Tasting Championship and things like that, where you enter it in, and I think we've gotten some awards or some of them. I'm not sure which one it was, but but there's several of those that that are out there that you can enter, and we usually do that with the my turns to uh, to see if we can get the an award for the employee. Now, has there ever been a my turn that stuck around and then no. made it to the regular rotation, or no? No, we uh, we thought about possibly coming out with a variety like twelve pack where you put three or four of them in, yeah. and we could have like online voting of like you know pick your favorite my turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but yeah, when we first started this, I, I saw a lot of one-off series from different breweries, and I thought they all had kind of the same personality. And I thought, how do you prevent, like, you know, because I can understand, like, there's one brewer picking all the beers. He, he likes right. certain things. And how do you prevent that from occurring? And I thought, well, let every employee brew their own style of beer. And you would probably get a large cross-section of stuff out there. And that's what exactly what happened. Yeah. And you have one beer does not match the next one at all. No. You wouldn't think it's from the same brewery yeah. that's come along. But, yeah, there's been some ones that have not sold as well and other ones have sold real well. And. So it's when, been great. So when you do the My Turn series, is it like the employee brings the idea to you or whoever whoever the idea gets brought to? Is it always is it like okay if that's your idea we're gonna we're gonna find a way to do it or is it a little bit of uh, everybody everybody puts their idea in? Yeah, do we get a little bit of ideas flowing back and forth here to figure no, this usually out? Or? What happens is the employee goes to the head brewer and says, "This is what I want to do." If there's any industry examples, and I want to try to make something like this, uh, and then um, and then also we got the marketing department, and and it probably if anything we've erred on the fact of, of being too different compared yeah. to let's try toning it down a little bit, right? Because um, I think we've had like three different smoke beers, and um, uh, and so that's not something that's normally that big of a seller out there, but they've done. Uh, you know, we still still were able to sell it well and, and, and go on out, and they were all tasty. They're all almost every smoke beer we had won an award of, of something. But there are is like you know large variety. We just had Yanni that was out. That was the uh, Mexican hot chocolate beer with pepper, <laughs> which is another different one. Yeah, that that you have. But there are some huge fans of that beer. Yeah, out there compared to other people who didn't quite get it, but. Um, <laughs> But that was very tight. I liked it. I loved it. What are some of the ideas that didn't go over very well? Didn't sell very well? Well, anything like you, you, you can just like 
like you know the Mexican hot chocolate or the smoked beers or things a little more exotic, usually you don't find as much of a of a sales for. And then you have other ones that uh, are a little more mainstream or like the chocolate beer we had. That was like a huge seller for Latif. Yeah. Uh, or a lot of buzz about it. Or, or bigger, bolder beers typically are are the um, with malt and hops are are usually the more fan favorites. When a when a my turn beer comes out, you've got my turn Chuck on on yeah, the, the, on draft the malt right liquor. now. I really I want to try that. How long does it stay on draft here? I mean, it, go, it goes in the bottles. You can buy it, right? Yeah. It, but how long do they typically stay on on tap? I, I want to stay on tap. You know, usually the the my turns go for a three month period of time. I want at least two months here on tap, okay. depending on how we do and, and we have. I think the Chuck is still on tap, but that's also made with. Um, uh, uh, what do you want to call it? Uh, with the malt is heirloom barley. Now, if you're familiar with heirloom barley, it's it's probably a new thing. But you know, 100, 200 years ago, there's only like three different styles of barley. Then everybody discovered crossbreeding, and mm-hmm. and then uh, what they've done, and so they've taken that barley, and it was all basically bred for disease resistant and growing, but it was never bred for flavor taste. Huh. And, and so when you go back to an heirloom barley. It's basically the original barley. And I've had people drink this beer without even saying, telling them about that. And I say, yeah, this tastes like something I used to drink with my dad in the 60s. <laughs> yeah. Back before they really started to modify or, yeah. or, or breed the, the barley. And they could actually even taste that flavor in it. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. So now where do you get your, where are your ingredients sourced from? Is it, do you try to stay within Wisconsin for a lot of it or do you... No, most of, most of, we do buy hops uh, now and then from uh, Wisconsin farmers. We used to have the Wisconsinite, which we also have Wisconsin uh, grain growing here. Uh, it gets it is a kind of a difficult, niche thing to do. Um, most of it, you know, most of barley, almost all of our barley comes from the plains or Canada. Uh, hops mostly come from Pacific Northwest. We do buy European hops, uh, like for our, like the East Side Dark would have European hops in it. Okay. Uh, a lot of our um, uh, specialty malts or Dingaman that comes from Belgium or Weirman that comes from uh, 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 Germany. So we do have a lot of specialty malts, some from Brees up in Chilton, Wisconsin. So we have those, you know, different uh, different suppliers we deal with. Plus all the, the base malt comes from town here, a malt Europe. So I guess you could say a good portion of it is Milwaukee product that goes in there with the malt Europe uh, malt. No, I do have to throw in Dan, our buddy Dan in Texas. Dallas Dan. Dallas Dan. The only question he had is when can he get it in Texas, but he also said that he's a huge Eastside Dark fan. He wants me to bring some of that next time I go see him. I I just put some on my boat this weekend. That Eastside Dark is really good. It's our most award-winning beer. Really? I mean, it's won a European beer star gold medal out in, in, uh, in Germany, and that's going against the other Schwartz and uh, Dunkels uh, out there, and and so to me it's it's amazing when you get German German brewmasters picking your beer over all of theirs, right. yeah. wine tasting. That was <laughs> wow. very nice. So now, where all do you do you distribute? We're in about thirty different states, uh, most because yeah. of our gluten-free nougat. That was another innovation we did, uh, coming up with the first gluten-free beer in the country. But um, and so we uh, got a good dis- distribution network. Uh, most of the Great Lakes states where you dis- distribute to, then uh, a lot of the other larger states. I mean, unfortunately, a place like Texas, we can't get in. With the proliferation of 
breweries around the country, it's getting harder and harder to yeah. distribute farther and farther. Why, why can't you get into Texas? Or, uh, if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. But why, no, what's, what's blocking uh, you from getting into Texas? Just uh, finding a distributor wants our product. Okay. Uh, I mean, we find some, but they're not really what you call you know, guys you want. They're, they're not like the Miller Coors EB distributor where you feel they're going to just bring it in and, and maybe just sit on it or not watch it closely. To me, I'm still concerned about quality, making sure the product's turned. You know, if it sits on the shelf over six months, are they going to take it off the shelf? Or aren't they going to take it off? And when you got, you know, one of the either the Miller Coors or, or Bud distributors, you know, they're pretty good usually about about doing that or rotating the beer, watching the quality. And so those those are concerns I have. You always have some jobber out there that says, "Yeah, give it to me, and we'll put it out." Yeah. But I have no idea. If, I don't think they'd ever take it off the shelf if it got long, or <laughs> or, or concerned about the quality, or store it in a warm place, and. I those think those, those concerns are quite valid because we know we know of some beers from uh, upper Midwest breweries that can be found in Texas that are quite Long, old. Yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah, so we've, why do you go there? What it, you, yeah. Is that what you really you, you, you want to export to Texas to try to, to sell old beer? I right. Mean, yeah. I, I guess right. that's what I look at when I, when I go there. Yeah. Do you want to take a quick break for a refill, or do you want to just keep on going? <laughs> Is that your way of saying you want more beer? <laughs> well, he said something about going to get some barrel-aged well, beer. I can so. get some barrel-aged if yeah. you want. I got one I just brought up on, on here. Otherwise, I don't know if you want to drink a warm Black Friday. You can bring that out, too. But uh, I don't have any problem with warm. I have no problem with, with warm beer at all. Let's see what I can have. We can get something else to right. wash it down with. Better. Awesome. I'm not going to. Probably best start with the this one first. Okay. This is aged in brandy barrels. Is it started? Mm-hmm. Okay. You got rolling here? Oh, yeah, we're rolling. We're rolling. Okay. It's our imperial pumpkin. I think it's about 13% or so. Um, Jake would be proud. Jake would be proud. Yeah, Jake Very would be proud. proud. This is kind of cool. A little, a little beer tasting in the middle here. <laughs> right, exactly. All right. Um... So, She's lurking in the back. Look at her. I got that on camera. Sure. You lurking? So, so trying. <laughs> Again, this is pumpkin imperial ale. Yeah. Imperial. Uh, yeah. So it's Asian brandy barrels. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, beers that are not brandy. They're bourbon. They're both are good. Yep. Both have a different um, way of of uh, you know. Uh, to me, the uh, the brandy is better because. It's not like a, as big of a beer. It works. This is spice beer. Spices and brandy, I think, work well together. Big malty beer. Uh, you can really, have. you can smell the brandy right away. The pumpkin and brandy, I mean, oh, the brandy, brandy yeah. really comes through in this. In I the, normally do not like pumpkin beers, but this is a really good pumpkin beer. <laughs> yeah, it's a different a different type of, yeah, different type of definitely. pumpkin. That's really good. So, oh, so that anyway. is delicious. It is really good. Yeah, we... Um, selling it we don't want to get too much into the summer <laughs> and and have to buy it, it's kind of a ordeal to get all the beer out of the barrels and put it in the tank make sure everything's correct and um, and then um, bottle it up so we try bottle a little bit earlier because it is good we do have on the back of these um, the seller certified you see the it's one thing the Wisconsin Brewers Guild we're part of is trying to push Oh, okay. Wisconsin breweries. So, so there's people, like a, an hourglass. Hour Henry from Mobcraft came up with the uh, the logo on that. I, I worked with him. But it's something to tell people, oh. you know, 
that you should go and, and this beer can be aged. Because certain beers can be aged and certain beers cannot be aged. And um, so uh, we put that symbol That's a good on. That's idea. I just wanted to try to do that. We're trying to promote that to look for, for brews that are. The yeah, you can pull up there if you want. Walk up there and show it. That's a really good idea. Um, one of the guys on YouTube we did an interview with. He has a pretty big cellar going, and okay, that's what he was saying. All a lot of times, he had a hard time telling. Yeah, you will see. Maybe you can see yeah, it better on the good. on you're the good. Black Friday here too. They got it, the, the the cellar. So we're trying to get breweries. I mean, we have the logo, but it's it's something any brewery in the United States or world can use. It's not like our own thing. Right. So it's just try to promote beers that can be barrel aged. Yeah. That's and cool. Because so, so people, I mean, to me, it's important because when you see that, then you can buy three or four of them or something like that, and then have them, you know, one one year, two years down the road, three yep. years down the road, and, and whatever. That's so, totally new to me. Did you know about that? No, that's the first time I've seen it. Yeah, really I, cool. I've not seen that before. So. Yeah, it's something we have to get the word out on, and so I want to make sure that's why we, we did that, and, and to have that. Because I mean, the first time we did, like, uh, the Black Friday, it was... Um, uh, how you say it? it was was a uh, uh, a double IPA, and people still right now are. Um, She's like lurking back there. It's so funny. <laughs> pe- pe- you know, people right now are, are still saving that bottle, and you, know, you don't oh, want to yeah. save a double IPA or, or you know black imperial of double IPA when they're uh, for years, and so the hot flavor goes down and. It's not as good, so uh, so we decided, you know, to change that and, and have it. So anytime you buy, you know, this big barrel-aged beer, that you're going to want to make sure people know they should be, you know, they can they can save it or when you can save it, not save it. So this is Black Friday, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, this is um, last last year's. Yeah, 2018 is what we're drinking right now. So hopefully, oh my God, that's really good. We smell the barrels. We smell some of the that is delicious. The, uh, the wood in there, a little bit of the vanilla in there. Yeah, I definitely get vanilla, and it's got a very nice woody woody flavor to it. Yeah, it's not, but not like overly, um, like it's not like a burnt wood taste. No, it's just a just a good, I agree good with you. wood flavor. Now, do you release these on Black Friday? Yeah. So, yeah, obviously. <laughs> mm. We've been doing this since 2013. And so we do that, you know, every year here. And so it's a big thing. And this year we're going to have a couple other uh, brands of, or different ones. Last year we came out with the uh, Special Reserve. When you're ready, let me know. I can I can open that one. I'm not sure if you got more questions you want to go over first before opening the next one or not. But or you want to do that one now? Um. Well, I just had a question. It totally just, <laughs> it totally just left my mind. Oh, no, I was just drinking. Yeah, exactly. There you go. When you so when you, answer. when when you release the Black Friday beers, are you releasing? Are, are they available through, um, you know, your local store? No, that's only, only here. here. Only it's only here. get it here. They're only here, and uh, yeah. So we have people lining up like twelve hours before we open the doors. And see, I just I can't. Uh, 
I know. I, 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 I just can't bring lines. myself to don't do it. But the, but the reason, and this actually just kind of backs this up, the reason I don't go wait in line for beer, because I know at some point, like right now, you still I'm, have it. I'm getting it's it. You're getting it. <laughs> I didn't have to wait point, in line for this one, I at guess. At some point, it'll come around and I'll, I'll enjoy well, it. You could be like Jake. There's another, he's usually part of our show, but he's not here. Jake stood in line for an hour yeah. and missed, missed, found, missed CBS by one. Oh. It's a, yeah, they, it's had, like, they had 12, bo- 12 bottles and he was 13th 13, in line. So he couldn't get but it. But the rumor, he, I guess there was like, they might have one more. Maybe somebody would jump out of line. <laughs> You know, he was yeah. hoping to get it. And well, let's talk CBS about CBS is not as I mean not as good as it used to be. Not as good as it used to be. Yeah. We're not as big of CBS fans as we once were. But so now the beer industry, where do you you know it's changed a lot in your time. Oh right? yeah. I mean it's grown a lot over. What has been the biggest surprise to you over the past few years of, of you know what's happened with the industry? Um, from the early years. Uh, the biggest surprises was the fact that you actually started having manufacturers and people catering to the craft industry. Before, you used to have to um, plead for bottles, plead for you know getting your labels made. We found you know, the, the printer companies. You know, you would the, the major companies that printed for the larger brewers wouldn't print for you, or they thought you're too small. Um, so that that change was positive. Also, I I never thought that. The, the, I mentioned it before about how brewers went from uh, imitators to innovators. And that happened, you know, I'm going to say the late 90s, where all of a sudden, like, everything was, you could do anything you wanted. Yeah. And you didn't have to imitate anymore. And we didn't have to all of a sudden say you're making some certain style of beer from Europe. No, you're making an American beer. Right. And, and, and that, was, that was good. And... Um, and, and you know, so as it comes along, this the evolution of different styles, the amount of beers, and the fact that we continue to grow as an industry with the amount of breweries. I would, you know, thinking like Milwaukee's got thirty something right now, and you know, it's just, it's just, you know, just floored by that. And it's a good thing. We're a, we're the beer city, yeah. And, you know, Brew City, that's yeah. what we're known for, and um, it, it's great that you know we're we're having this uh, renaissance again. Yeah, absolutely. And now you see those other brewers not as like a competition that like you have to try to put out of business, but you see them more as just like a comrade in, in the same industry and you guys yeah, work together yeah, I, and stuff? I feel or? that's the, the proper way, you know, when you have people coming up and, and saying, you know, we, we help motivate the fact that they could do it and it's good. Yeah. And and you, you look at the barrelage that they're really putting out and compared to what all the beers drank in, in town here, and it is very small. And so, to me, if you use them, if you're not doing well as an excuse saying, well, they're taking our market share, you're basically, you know, it's, there's, there's something else going on. There, there's so much beer out there that's drank. You know, your job, I mean, that's the way it was back in the, the early 90s, late 80s when we started out. We had to convince people that are drinking Bud Miller to drink our stuff. And to me, that's still what we should be doing today. Yeah. You know, from the hundreds of thousands or millions of barrels that are drunk and in town here, that that's the, the drinker you're still going after. It's still this education process that's going on. Once you get people educated, it, it's hard to go back to drinking one product all the time or without once you understand the flavor. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting the uh, the the innovation that's that's in the craft industry now um, with the, with the different styles of beers. But you, you've mentioned a couple times 
imitating. And I, one of my one of my missions in the last year or so has been <laughs> has been trying to find a a pilsner or a lager from a craft brewer that I could purchase at a decent enough price to justify keeping my refrigerator over like a Miller Lite. So, like if I'm looking for a pilsner that's yeah. on par, that's that's as good a quality every single time. Consistent, you can consistency, find it. and I can find it as a Miller Lite or uh, uh, you know, or, or Budweiser for a lager, or, you know, whatever, just whatever, whatever the case may be. I've been looking for something that I can find that um, that has a decent enough price point and and consistency and taste. That, that is. It, um, you think that's something that that breweries are going for? I mean, I know you guys have a have a pills, and you've got a, a lakefront lager. Yeah. Do you feel like that's something that um, craft brewers are starting to go after a little bit more? Rather, I mean, I know the innovation is still there, and you know there is the, that's going to stay. But the, yeah, the, the the biggest concern I probably have in the industry right now is nothing with the amount of people coming in. It's more price. Yeah. Um, because yeah. everybody has uh, basically uh, built their brewery at eight ninety nine six pack, and yep. I'm seeing some of the larger breweries or, or some other breweries that are all of a sudden coming out with a fifteen pack at the same price as a twelve pack, and they're discounting them, and they're going that way. And with the amount of breweries coming up, people are looking for volume. They're looking for sales, and it is, you know, a concern. Um, there's, you know, like, you know, I give my hats off to like New Glarus, who has Spotted Cow, which is the lighter style beer, and they're still getting the 8.99 to six pack yep. out there in the stores. And so they, they've done, you know, the, the best probably of any brewery, you know, obviously in the, in the state, for for creating this and, and keeping the prices high. And um, but then I, I just see other ones coming along that are, are that, that that price might be drove, driven down, and I guess that's. Um, then and uh, it'd be hard to see everybody trying to get in a price war. Now, do you see that more as a concern, concern for the brewery, or concern that consumers will become tired of paying that price when you can just when you can go buy you know double double the cans <laughs> of Miller Lite for the same price or something like that? Yeah, I mean it's 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 just it, to me it's just the concern that um, well it's going to be harder economically for all the breweries, yeah. and, and I'm just afraid that. When that starts happening, and you're getting into that that type of a um, uh, contest, so to speak, where, you know who's you know who can produce a highest quality beer at a cheaper price and, and whatever that that's when um, things might uh, might cause problems for a lot of breweries. Yeah. Now, should I try this one? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Now, talking about breweries in the area, Jamie uh, on on Twitter had asked. He um he wanted to know about brewery feuds. He said he's heard of uh he overheard two Wisconsin breweries going back and forth about stealing ideas and recipes. But he wanted to know how often that type of stuff happens in the industry. <laughs> well, I know I I haven't been in a few. I don't think I've been in a few with anybody or it's not. <laughs> Not no, I, I'm sure that that's happened. I mean, you got 100 and something, 160 or whatever it is in the state right now. You could imagine some personalities wouldn't match. But compared to other industries or 
I mean, even look in, in the service industry between bars or restaurants, you know, you always have one, you might hear talking about another one, but I really don't hear that many bad things being said. Yeah. You got the guild, they go to guild meetings, you go to the festivals, everybody drinks together, everybody does well. And um, I, it, it's, I mean, sure it probably happens, but it's not that much. And, and sealing recipes, that's hard, it's pretty hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a, uh, I don't know how much time I got. There was a brewery in Port Washington, Wisconsin. This goes way back, well, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, called Mile Rock. Okay. And they actually, the guy that started was the nephew of the guy that started New Belgium. And New Belgium had this 15-barrel system they started with, and they actually sold them that system. And they gave him the, the recipe for fat tire. Really? And so he went up there, and he made basically in the same brew house... Fat tire. The same ingredients. Right here in Port Washington. Right in Port Washington. <laughs> and and nobody bought it. Really? It was... <laughs> you, say, you sit there and you think the recipe's it. Yeah, it's the it, same it, it, beer. It was the same beer. <laughs> and they would they would put out advertising. Yeah, we got our system from, you know, from well, uh, New Belgium. Too. <laughs> we got the same recipe. Wink, wink. That's their famous beer. And nobody really... Sell. Nobody really seemed to care. Wow. Wow. So That's pretty funny. It, it isn't always the recipe. It's it's a yeah. person behind it. It's a person yeah. brewing it. Sure. Sure. So Now where do you where do you see the future of craft beer? What do you what do you see coming up? You know, when you're looking ahead and planning out for, you know, 5 years or 10 years, I mean, where do you see craft beer going? Um or where would you like to see it going? Either well, I'd like way. to see, well, I, I still, I've, I've said it for several years that, you know, I'm thinking it's going to go at least to 10,000 beer breweries. We're about 7,000 right now. Yeah. I don't think it's going to stop. We actually, we just had the um, Brewers, Association. Brewers Association on last week, and we're at 7,500. 7,500 yep. now, okay. So I wouldn't be surprised it gets to 10, maybe even more, 12,000 uh, that we, we currently are going to have. And um, I, I would say any town... Our area of 20,000 people uh, can support a brewery or mm. tap room out there. So this proliferation is going to occur whether people want it or not. People are going to open. They're going to be creative. They're going to come up with different ideas. Uh, I, I, I see you know, beer being very trendy where right now the milkshakes, the hazies, very popular uh, coming out to go to your tap room for but that may not be the, I don't see that being the beer in five years from now. Yeah. It'll be a different style of beer that'll be hot. You know, and, it's, and it's interesting when you, what keeps me coming back to a, a brewery or a tap room is what they're known for. And if they have something special on tap, like a milkshake or a hazy or whatever, or a brewed IPA, whatever the, whatever the new trend happens to be, of course I'm going to try it. But yeah. if I know I, I, I'm going to keep going back to that brewery, like we, we keep coming back to Lakefront. And we know we're gonna, you're going to have good beer every single time. And, and the stuff that's new and trendy, it'll come and go. But it's the brewery itself that, that, yeah, that keeps it, it coming is. back. Um, what I'm you know, looking at or what I see, uh, which encourages me in a way, is, a, uh, is that a lot more people, the hottest thing right now is like Mexican beer. And mm-hmm. the hardest thing to get is to get the people to go from the Budweiser Mill or to paying $8.99 a six-pack. 
And once they do that, then all of a sudden they get a little extra beer, and then they or they, they understand the extra flavor in there or different tastes. And then they're used to paying that price. Well, then they'll try some more flavor, and they'll, yeah. they'll keep on going. By continuing to see this, people growing in, uh, in, in higher price, which I, I think is good. I always look at beer as a, uh, a luxury for the common man. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you can go on out and spend, you know, maybe even like a twelve ninety nine a six pack and get a world class product. I mean if you want a world class wine you're spending hundred bucks, fifty dollars, something yep. way yeah. up there. But you know, you look at the beers out there for twelve ninety nine, even up to fifteen ninety nine, or even like these bottles here that go up twenty dollars a piece. You know, anybody out there who loves beer can afford this or at least make themselves a treat to get this style They'll of find beer. a way. Yep. find a way. And yep. so to me, it's, it's a luxury for the common man. And, and it, it's something that everybody out there in the world can just talk about and enjoy and, and, and sit there and say, oh gosh, you know, and, and talk about the different hop flavors and getting them interested without having to go to some restaurant spending a hundred bucks, you yeah. know, on some meal or understanding this. This is something that's, that, that's you know, top of the line in the world. And, and you're getting the a world-class product for that price, I think it's a very good deal. Yep. Now, what, what style do you think will be here five years from now? Like a hot, like the brewed IPAs or the milkshakes or the hazies, you think any of those will still be around in five yeah, years? Yeah, hazy could be. I'm not sure about the brewed milkshake. I think regular IPAs are going to continue to go. Yeah. They're more drinkable, I think, today compared to uh, several years ago. It was like, you know, it used to be like a you know hot chili contest with with hops. You know, yeah, how much hops can you drink and how bitter how many can IBUs you get it? You, want. you yeah, don't hear exactly. this IBU thing anymore going on. Where oh, I drank this ninety IBU beer. I got ninety IBUs in this thing. Yep, exactly. Well, since you brought it up, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're gonna okay. let's talk a little bit about IBUs. Jake will be happy about this because one of our we our our other guy that podcasts with us, Jake. Um, I, I want to say he doesn't believe in IBUs or just doesn't think. <laughs> he's IBU atheist. He's, he, yeah, he's IBU atheist. <laughs> well, I mean, do you do you guys figure the IBU rating so that the consumer can know? Do you? But do you? Yeah, we, do you we really do, like but it's kind of like it? calculating octane and gasoline. Everybody's got a different formulation right. for it. Every right. brewery's yeah, yeah. got their own and way of figuring out what the, what, it, what the rating is. I mean, is. it's like what is it? It's a, I, I, I don't know. It's something like ninety IPUs or eighty IBUs is like the, the maximum that you could possibly can put in beer. And there's people out there saying I got one hundred and twenty, and you can tell what they're doing. They they, they count the, uh, the when they put hops in the beer and the dry hopping, but so you don't get an IBU from from dry hop beer. You can't count that hop addition. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the formula, it has to be in the kettle, has to be heated up. There's a chemical reaction that occurs that takes it from, you know, the alpha acid to the IB, um, to that bittering compound. And so, if you don't, uh, if you're not boiling it, you can't count it. You put it in the whirlpool, you can't count it. And but a lot of these brewers are, and that's why they're getting these really super high IBUs. And well, it's you, you just don't taste the difference. Yeah, it's interesting because you look at. Excuse me, like a like a Bell's Two Hearted Ale, which is I believe right around 100 IBUs. It's 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 a pretty bitter beer. But then you drink a Pliny the Elder, which is also 100, and Pliny is so so much more drinkable. Well, yeah, you, they have a lot of the flavor of the hop. That, yeah. That's that's one of the big innovations that's occurred, you know, in the last 10, 15 years, where learning how to use the hop flavor instead of the hop bitterness. 
And there's so many great flavors in hops. And so yeah. you get that piney, you get the fruity, you get the grapefruit, you get the other flavors. And, and those are the great flavors that, you know, people just crave and, and look for. And, and to me, that makes it interesting in, in there. And, and that's, that's the important part of, of these IB, um, IPAs. So don't ever not don't ever not drink a beer because of the IBU rating. Well, my wife because my wife for years it just doesn't make any sense. You know, half if it the was time. if it was over <laughs> seventy IBU on the bottle, she'd she'd be like, I'm not drinking. That's too bitter for me. Yeah. You know, it wasn't until I set her down and gave her a seventy and a ninety, and the ninety was not nearly as bitter as a seventy that she's like, Oh wait a minute! And I was like, Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah, it, it's strange out there. But to me, it's more about the flavor of the hops and exactly. of bitterness. Yeah. I mean. I mean, it's like chili peppers or whatever you want to talk. You know, you have a certain amount of flavor that goes with it, then a certain amount of things that it's just kind of silly after a certain period of time that you actually want to eat something that hot or, or yeah. whatever. So we'll, we'll start to wrap up here. So the the key to a good brewery. Key to a good brewery. Um, to me, it's kind of simple. You, quality lets you play the game. Okay. You have to have quality. You have to have all the product out there. I can never look at my sales guys in the in my eye and say, oh, we got this batch. It's kind of bad, but I'm sure you can go out and sell it. <laughs> you know, or, right. or um, you know, this one was really kind of a wild beer, but, you know, we should go out there and discount this thing, you know. And <laughs> you've got to get people drinking the product and, and you know, having a confidence that anytime they, they pick it off the shelf, they're going to be getting uh, – uh, you know, a quality product, and then um, you know, a good brewery. After that, is is just being part of the community, being part of the uh, brewer community, being innovative. Um, you look at any band out there that plays music, and and you know, a lot of them are white and one-hit wonders. But then there's some other ones that kind of go with the times and understand the different flow with it. And that's what you got to be with the brewery too. You have to understand, you know, what is important, what is um, what's the consumer wanting. But, you know, quality starts with, and then after that, it's, you know, just bringing what, you know, what goes. You know, to me, I always use the music analogy, but, you know, you don't want to have, uh, you don't want to sit there and just try to, you know, be a cover band or, or try to play everybody else's hits. you got to play your own hits. you got to come up with your own stuff, and you got to come up with your, your own taste and flavor that, that you have. And... Once you do that, you know, I mean, people understand what you're going about. They'll, they'll continue to uh, to love you and, and uh, to buy your product. Now, if if you were to start a brewery today, you know, you're just now starting to get into to brewing, you know, number one, would you start a brewery in today's craft beer market? Would you go in now? Um, and and two, what would, you, what would you say to somebody who's who is starting a brewery now? What would be like your top two tips for them that they need to focus on starting a brewery now. Well, first thing, I, I remember when I started back in 87 and everybody said, well, you, you, can't, you can't start a brewery these days. I mean, this has been going on for 32 years as long as I can tell. But I, I guess the way I look at it is that, you know, you look at some of the old breweries in, in the world and they've been around since the 14, 1500s. Yep. And you know, in the 14, 1500s, every year, more breweries started. Yep. And they just kept on coming. And you look after Prohibition. You look before Prohibition. You look, you know, after this last renaissance, breweries come out. And it's not a guarantee you're going to make it. But I, I've never felt that 
there wasn't room for one more brewery. Yeah. But then it becomes your due diligence. It, it becomes the fact that there's no God-given right that you produce a product and it goes on the shelf. Once you produce a quality product, it's up to you to go on out and do you know your sales. You have to you know do your tastings. You have to convince people. You have to you know earn it. It's you know. I've seen brewers complain and whine about the fact that oh I should be in this place because Miller's there, or, or something. And it just it just doesn't doesn't work that way. Yeah. You you know all these brewers have been paying their dues for years and years and years, but but right now it's still the peak of people loving craft beer. There's still more people drinking craft beer this year than last year. Yep. And and, and it's not and that's going to continue. I mean it's a, it's, a, it's a great product. It's a very sessionable product. You can sit there and you know have a couple and. And still drive home, and, and uh, it's just—it's uh, good. So I don't know. I guess I probably was long-winded with that answer, but that's um, all right. As long as you want. But yeah, yeah. no. Yeah. I, it, but yeah, we it got is. plenty. I, I still we got think plenty you of film. Could, <laughs> you can still, you can still, um, uh, you know, start a brewery today and still make it. You just, you just have to have the quality and you have to have the drive and. And and cash is king. That's the other thing, I guess. Quality and cash. <laughs> so you can't do it, and you got to pay your bills. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. That's that's a, that's the hard part. Doing both those together, it's very difficult. Quality and, and paying the bills, but uh, but that's what you got to do, and that's what you got to find out or way to do it. Now, do you think we're gonna, you know, uh, Boston Brewing Dogfish Head just happened recently? You think that's going to be a trend now in craft beer, where you're going to have larger, larger breweries, or maybe even smaller ones, merging together to try and stay alive, or we'll have more people just fall out? Well, well the thing that I'm seeing is a graying of the industry. Um, is that there's a lot of guys that have been in the industry, you know, over 20, 25 years, and they put their heart and soul into it, and you know, <laughs> there's only so much time that you can put into one. And all of a sudden, a nice deal comes along, or somebody says something, or somebody gets into, uh, you know, a health concern, yeah. and they're, they're going to have to sell. And, and because of this, uh, there's going to be these mergers and acquisitions that are, are going to come about, and it's not because of people want to get out or get rich or anything of that sort. It's basically, you know, they put their time in, their dues. They've been in the trenches, and. Um, and they got to move on, and so it's not going to be. So there's, there's a lot of that. There's also a lot of these. Uh, I, I think um, after five, six years of of the M and or say the venture venture capital people, they eventually want to yeah. return. Otherwise, they'll sell off. Right. And sure. you're going to see some of the bigger breweries. I think if they're taking on some of this money, you're going to see some transactions occurring with them also, because this this time period's coming up. Yeah. I don't know, do you want any more of these other two? I don't know. I got. That, what, was, what was the last I got, one? Yeah, do you want to talk about this this uh, Black Friday Triple X a little bit? Yeah, the Triple X is something we did special last year. We always take a couple of barrels and we uh, store them away. We've, we've got more squirreled away from this last year and we're squirreling more away now. And we mixed a couple of them and you can tell it's a little bit different. Maybe you can put them, drink them side by side. Uh, maybe you can get your that, feeling of it. But to me, it's a little really different. That is really good. And. <laughs> Because of some of the background noise, you may have said this. I, I, I apologize if I missed it. A thousand bottles. Is, yeah, is thousand all you, bottles is, of that is one. Is all you get of this one. Maybe this one here. Maybe um, if you want to 
try them here, maybe pour yourself a, a different one, and you can tell the difference between the two that you got. But to me, it's a little more of the, the wood flavor, I think, is what dominates a little more in there. You know which one had it? That one. And that one was really a little good. more aromatic and a little more intense. You always got your you still have what they call like an angel sherry, a little bit of evaporation yep. there. Yeah, that one. It, it does mature. You think, you know, did you talk about, you know, we talked about the aging seal on the um, on the bottle, but it, it ages within within the, the barrel too. Yeah. You can definitely taste a difference there for sure. Man, those are both good. Mm -hmm. That triple X has got a really, really, really smooth yep. finish to it. Yeah. We got to make sure G gets some of this. We'll get her some. <laughs> we'll get her some. <laughs> still got about half a bottle left of each, <laughs> yeah. so uh, it'll be a long drive home if she doesn't. Yeah. Just <laughs> so. Um, We'll kind of wrap this up with, with a question I think I probably know the answer to because the way you've talked throughout this podcast, um, you, you know your stuff. You, you, you've you been doing this for 32 years. Do you still love doing this? You still love coming to work every day? Oh, yeah. Brewing beer. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I, I do enjoy it. I do come, you know, and I really enjoy coming here in our beer hall and, and seeing people. I just love people on the tours, seeing, you know, fan, um smiles on their faces i love going out to the bars and our restaurants and and you know and people sit there and say we love your product it sells well for us and and uh you know to me the milwaukee is the the beer city and and you know that's what we try to do we try to keep that heritage going and, and trying to keep it going and and to me it's just amazing too after 32 years there's still a lot to do here <laughs> yeah. you think you got everything done everything's been spent your could have spent your money on and it's just there's always project after project still and and that's what you got to do you uh, if you stay the same you're, you're going to die but you have to continue to innovate you have to continue to improve and that's that's what every brewery has to do I mean, if you stop doing that you're going to die as a brewery there you go Good stuff. Oh, I can't think of anything um, else better to end on than that. I mean. Lakefront Brewery, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, you want to give the address? 1872 North Commerce Street. If you're in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, stop by Lakefront Brewery. It is a fantastic. And do the tour. Fantastic brewery. It will be, I promise you, it will be one of the best brewery tours you will ever go on. Absolutely. You'll enjoy it. You'll laugh. You'll drink. Plenty of space here to enjoy uh the, the visit so come to milwaukee hit lakefront thank you very much for your time Thanks we appreciate, lot, it. appreciate it we're the three best friends that anyone could have we're the three best friends that anyone can have and we're always gonna hang out